0: Welcome to HR in 15, a podcast dedicated to addressing the complexities of modern HR in just 15 minutes.
1: Brought to you by Prestige PEO, simplifying HR. that time of the day again for another episode of HR in 15, I am your host, Eric Fudum, Chief Operating Officer here at Prestige PEO. Today, we are joined once again by Malcolm Slay, Principal at Groom Law Group, How's it going, Malcolm? It's going real well, Eric. Everything's going with you. Just peachy. We are going to continue our conversation regarding the Paycheck Protection Program, Triple P. Does that sound like a plan? Sounds good to me. All right. Let's get right into it. Uh, Malcolm, I hear there's a uh, updated loan forgiveness form that was released recently. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about it?
0: Yeah, so um, on June 17th, SBN Treasury issued a revised loan forgiveness form. Uh, they, they had to do this because a couple of weeks ago, Congress enacted a law called the Pension Protection Program Flexibility Act. And the Flexibility Act was intended to provide some upgrades, if you will, to the PPP. And it also changed some of the rules regarding how PPP loan forgiveness will work. Uh, as, as we talked about a little bit on our, our last uh, podcast, Apparently the, the changes to the rules are pro borrower. Um, in other words, they'll make it easier to get loan forgiveness. So that's good news. The other good thing that SBA and Treasury did was they've now issued a new simplified loan forgiveness form. It's an easy form. Easy form lets borrowers file for loan forgiveness without having to provide a lot of the detailed information that is required on the standard form borrowers will, will definitely want to look into whether they can use that EZ form. Uh, generally, If you took out a PPP loan and you haven't cut employee wages or salaries, I'd say there's a pretty good chance that you might be able to use
1: the EZ form. So wow, I think that's a big change to go through all this work potentially to fill out the loan forgiveness application form if you can just use this form 3508-EZ, correct? Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, I think those of you that have had a chance to look at the loan
0: forgiveness application, probably you're spending 10 or 15 minutes looking at it. You immediately went to the medicine cabinet and got your favorite prescription painkiller, because it's pretty painful. You've got to go through, you've got to list out all your employees. You've got to list out your employees' compensation. You've got to go through this exercise of counting up their hours and demonstrating that they're still full-time employees. It's really great news if you can use the easy form, because you don't have to go through all of that. Borrowers are going to be very, very... Um, you know, happy and relieved about the availability of the easy form and and folks are definitely going to be
1: trying to use it if they can. Why do you think they came up with this form because of the complexity of the first version of the loan forgiveness application form?
0: Yeah, I have to believe that's the case i would I would assume they probably got some feedback after the forgiveness application came out and it is just a It's a beast. There's no other word to describe it. I mean, you know, just working through the application, there's an application, and then there's a Schedule A, and then there's a Schedule A worksheet. We feel like we knew those rules pretty well going into it, and our heads were spinning. So I'm sure we weren't the only ones (laughs) that felt that way, and I'm guessing SBA and Treasury got that feedback and decided, you know, they, they needed to
1: do something. Makes, makes a lot of sense to me. I wanted to shift over to some some questions again that we've been getting from our listeners and, and our clients as well. One question that we've received, it's, it's interesting. So our eight week triple P money ends, let's just say on Friday, we've used all our money with 70% going to payroll costs. Our business is still halted and has not come back yet entirely. Are we gonna have any problems if our PPP loan ends June 19th and I have to furlough people the next day, like June 22nd?
0: Yeah, I mean, so for, I think the short answer is probably not. I mean, for purposes of loan forgiveness, SBA is really only interested in whether you were able to maintain salaries and wages during that covered period that follows the loan, which in this business's case is going to be the eight-week period, not the extended 24-week period. So, you know, bottom line is if they do have to lay off or furlough people after the end of that covered period, it really shouldn't impact their ability to qualify for full loan forgiveness.
1: So that's the distinction here. Really no changes during the covered period. Don't drop salary. Don't touch your employee base in terms of laying them off or doing anything during the covered period. And potentially, potentially, after that covered period ends, you you, ha- you can make some moves if you need to, correct?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, again, you know, the whole the whole point of sort of the, the idea of the covered period is that's the period when you're supposed to be using your loan proceeds. And that's the Treasury's view of the world is if you're using your loan proceeds, we want you to be using it to maintain employee salaries and wages, and we don't want you laying people off. But once that eight-week covered period ends, you're kind of on your own at that point. Uh, SBA is assuming you've spent your loan proceeds,
1: and so you really can do whatever you want. Whatever you need to, right, and how you run your business. Um, Touching um, base on the wage cap, okay? So if you're you're using the 24-week covered period, does the wage cap stay the same, or does that increase?
0: Yeah, it should increase in proportion to the 24-weeks. This does get pretty complicated. I mean, the the general concept here is, you know, under the CARES Act, while Congress wanted you to use this money to maintain salaries and wages, um, they didn't want you to spend it on anybody who is making effectively more than $100,000 a year, or you could spend it on on them up to $100,000 a year, but they didn't want you spending on salaries in excess of that. The total amount of cash compensation that is eligible forgiveness for any particular individual can't exceed $100,000 annualized, but then that's gotta be prorated for the covered period, which is obviously much shorter than a year. So the way it works out, if you you sort of do the math and the ratio between eight weeks, which is the original covered period and 52 weeks, $100,000 prorated is a little over $15,000. If you're using a 24 week covered period instead, then that cap effectively triples and you can go up to uh, $46,000 for any particular employee. The one monkey wrench here, which I will, Brad, just to make sure people are aware of it, is that is the rule that applies with regard to sort of regular employees. When SDN Treasury came out with the new loan forgiveness application, which again was just a a day or so ago, they have a different rule for owners, owner employees, where effectively the, the 24 week cap on the covered period is lower than it would be for regular employees. And the rationale for that was, SBA and Treasury wanted to make sure that owners weren't using loan proceeds to essentially kind of bulk up their own compensation at the expense of their regular employees. So it's an issue I would just want to throw out there so that folks listening, you know, when they're reviewing the loan forgiveness application are aware. If you're going to be claiming a compensation for an owner or an owner employee, you need to look at the instructions to the loan application carefully to make sure you're applying the right cap.
1: Really interesting. So if a business owner, um, sole or whatever that looks like, is going to have a different wage cap than actual regular employees. Yep, that is correct. Makes sense, too. Switching over to health insurance. Health insurance or benefits, if I may, does that get added into your payroll cost to calculate, you, you know, your your total percentage of payroll costs, 60-40, or is that separate and with, like, utilities or rent?
0: Yeah, so thankfully health insurance is considered a payroll cost, It's sort of broken out differently on the loan forgiveness application as what's called non-cash compensation. It still counts toward payroll costs, which is good news, you know, in terms of claiming it and and potentially maximizing the amount that you can claim for forgiveness. One thing you want to keep in mind is that only employer non-elective contributions are going to get counted towards the, the cost of health insurance. It does seem to encompass not only major medical, but things like dental, vision, HRA contributions, again, as long as they're being made by the employer. Employer, right. Okay.
1: Switching over to the 60% threshold again, how do you calculate that? Like, can you just give us a quick example of how you would calculate 60%?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, the general rule is that again, is in order to qualify for full forgiveness, 60% of the loan proceeds have to be spent on payroll costs. So the amount that you're claiming for forgiveness must be comprised of at least 60% of eligible payroll costs. I mean, the way it really works is you look at everything you spent your loan proceeds on, including payroll costs, which is obviously wages, salaries, et cetera, health insurance, which we talked about, contributions toward retirement, which is also going to qualify as a payroll cost. And then you look at the other things that you maybe spent your loan proceeds on, for example, rent payments, mortgage payments, utility payments. Those things are considered non-payroll costs. You look at the total of everything that you spent the loan proceeds on, and then it's just simply sort of doing the math to figure out whether, when you look at the the entire bucket of things that you spent your loan proceeds on, did you spend at least 60% of it on what's considered payroll costs? 1 thing about the application, the loan forgiveness application as complicated as it is. It does kind of lay everything out for you so that when you get to the end of the application, it's relatively simple for you to do the math and figure out whether or not you, you hit that 60 percent threshold or not.
1: Right, so at the end of the day, if you, if you received a 100,000 dollar loan, 660,000 of that should be spent for the items you just described. Right? Not necessarily exactly. utilities, but okay, and that's where the application walks you through that as you as you enter in the actual numbers themselves, correct? Yep.
0: Yeah, that is correct. But you know, I, I think the takeaway again for folks who are listening who maybe are if they're they get a loan relatively recently or they're you know still in the middle of that covered period you want to be using as much of the loan proceeds as you can on the payroll costs because that's just going to maximize the amount that is potentially forgivable. If you have a, if you have a choice between spending a dollar on somebody's salary or on the mortgage payment for that month, you want to you want to allocate
1: it towards the salary. What, it's it's funny you mentioned the mortgage and the, and the rent. So, are those has there been more clarity regarding the utility and rent what that looks like? Does that your cable bill like What do we know about the utility portion or the 40% portion of the application?
0: Yeah, that's another area where I think additional guidance from SBA and Treasury would really be welcome. There's been a lot of questions about sort of what exactly is a utility. For example, the instructions talk about being able to claim costs for transportation utilities. No one is exactly sure what that means. There's some guidance from SBA that suggests that maybe you can claim things like mileage-driven in a company car related to the business, but I don't think that's crystal clear as well. One thing that is clear is that to the extent you're claiming, claiming costs related to rent or mortgage or utilities, it has to be related to an arrangement that was entered into prior to February 15th. I guess the the thought there being, they didn't want you to take a loan and then, you know, go out and buy a new building with it. a practical matter, you know, I don't think there's an enormous uh, amount of risk that was occurring given everything going on with the pandemic. Right. Um, we're already, we're already but, in a recession. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But um, that seems to be sort of the primary restriction with regard to those costs.
1: Got it. So now with some of the changes that have occurred, is it fair now that you can receive a loan as well as make use of some of the other kind of options that were out there originally, like the FICO deferral option? You can do both now if you need to. As a small to medium-sized business owner?
0: Yeah, that is correct. And yeah, I mean, I think it's this again was something that that Congress fixed. You know, the original CARES Act provided that if you got a PPP loan and you got any portion of that PPP loan forgiven, you couldn't use this other relief section of the CARES Act that allowed you to defer payment of your Social Security employment taxes. Congress, you know, again, I think that there are people who said, hey, you know, it's kind of unfair that if I get a PPP loan and it's forgiven, I can't use this other thing. You know, businesses are need as much help as they can get right now. So when Congress passed the Flexibility Act at the beginning of June, they changed that. So now, effectively, any employer can use the employment tax deferral relief provision Regardless of whether or not you got a PPP loan, regardless of whether or not you got that PPP loan forgiven in part or in in whole. So that's good news. It really allows borrowers to take full advantage of that employment tax deferral, um, which is going to be,
1: I think, extremely popular with pretty much every employer out there. I I think uh, our Congress just keeps on giving and giving. It's a a beautiful thing. Uh, Only only, hope. only, Only hope is right. So, Where are we with the final loan application? I guess, what are we waiting for further guidance on from either Congress, Treasury or the SBA?
0: That's a great question. I mean, with regard to the forms themselves, I would not expect we will see significant changes to the loan forgiveness applications at this point. I mean, I, I think Treasury and SBA, the attitude is they don't want to be, you know, revising these things every couple of days because folks are going to get confused and annoyed. If there's something in the app, you know, if something gets discovered in the application, which again, is brand new. I mean, I think somebody discovered some obvious flaw or bug in the application that revise it, but I my guess is that it's probably um, not going to change at this point. With regard to additional guidance, It's interesting. I mean, there have just been so many questions regarding this program. The way it kind of worked for a while was SBA has this series of uh, FAQs that they have up on the Treasury website. It seemed like pretty much every day a new FAQ would come out about some random issue. And then right around the end of May, they really stopped updating those FAQs, which surprised a lot of people, frankly. Um, They had just come out with the, the loan forgiveness application and guidance. We thought there might be some additional FAQs that, that might provide a little additional information, but they really have kind of dried up at this point. We've talked about some of the issues that are still, you know, hanging out there in terms of, for example, you know, what types of utilities you might be able to claim for loan forgiveness. I mean, I think there are, there are always going to be questions regarding, you know, specific aspects of the program. But at this point, I don't think we can really be sure whether or not SBA or Treasury is going to give us too much else that's substantive. We're always going to be hoping they provide us with guidance. We may see, you know, it's probably worth checking those FAQs every once in a while to see if they've come out and answered any discrete questions. But I'm not expecting
1: anything big coming down the pike at this point got it wow there's 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 a lot there still but um it, it is it is it is good to know and comfortable I think for listeners to understand that the application is pretty much you know in its finality at this point but there just might be you know further guidelines I think that that'll be released Malcolm I, I want to thank you uh, for being here today your, your knowledge is absolutely outstanding regarding our pay, paycheck protection program thank you thank you so much and you bet I want to remind our listeners to check out all our episodes of HR in 15. To check them out, you can go directly to hrin15.com and they will be all for your review. Thank you again for listening. And we look forward to our next episode of HR in 15. For questions or more information on today's topic, visit
0: PrestigePEO.com.